0: Can you believe in something you can't talk about? Amanda Drury is Associate Professor of Practical Theology at Indiana Wesleyan University. In this episode, we talk about her book, Saying is Believing. You'll hear Mandy reference the National Study of Youth and Religion. The study was directed by Christian Smith at the University of Notre Dame and was designed to enhance our understanding of the religious lives of American youth. You're listening to The Distillery at Princeton Theological Seminary. So many scholars are compelled either by their own story or by a problem that they see in the world. So what compelled you to write Saying is Believing? So back
1: when Christian Smith and Melinda Denton's book, Soul Searching, came out, there was a whole rash, a whole, a whole uh, swarm of people talking about youth and inarticulacy and how, how so many teenagers can't describe their faith. And that was not my experience growing up. I grew up in a context that was very articulate about what we believe and why we believe it and and so i was I was curious just to try to I, I wanted to explore what is it about about churches that foster that kind of spirit of articulation in in a teenager uh,
0: what are what are some factors that contribute to religiously articulate teens so growing up you experienced that young people around you were articulate so do you think you're um, upbringing was an anomaly? I
1: think it was. And, and I, when I say people were articulate, in some cases it was just, they knew the Sunday school answers. So it might not be those, those rich stories that we were hoping for, but, but I imagine they could have given, uh, the soul searching crew something to work with beyond just the, uh, I I don't know. I do think that my upbringing was a bit different in some ways. I think I was, I was raised in a bilingual home in terms of, uh, English and God speak. So it was not unusual to be talking about where we noticed God in our day or this and that. that was just kind of a normal part of growing up. and, and there are there are negative aspects to that, especially uh, as we're trying to figure out our identities, but but for me it was overall it was a very positive experience.
0: So what kind of generalizations can you make based on the research about practices of testimony or cultures and communities of faith? Sure.
1: Uh, one of the big takeaways, I think, would be that people, not just teenagers here, but people often have a hard time believing things that they cannot talk about. So I might have a germ of idea in my head, a germ of an idea, but but if I'm not able to articulate that or, or talk about that, then there's a good chance that that's going to be murky, that it'll eventually die away. And, uh, you know how sometimes you say something out loud and you go, oh my goodness, that sounded so much better in my head, uh, but you hear yourself time. yeah, all the time. Yes, there you go. And so often I think we, we work out what it is we believe by by saying it out loud, by putting almost our first draft out there and having something we can look at and then having the community come around us and, and help us edit it. And well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? But uh, Oftentimes, oftentimes we are we are formed, for better or worse, by the things that we're able to articulate.
0: So what have you seen in terms of communities that do this really well with? I mean, you're looking specifically at adolescents. Sure. So what are some things that you see that inspire you?
1: Oh, one one of my favorite interviews with a teenager, I think she was maybe 15 or 16 at the time. Her name was Maddie, and she was a part of a youth group that was having regular times of, of, of storytelling, essentially. Sunday evenings, there would be high school seniors that would stand up and and just simply share where they saw God at work in their lives, and they had been working with, with youth pastors and whatnot. But Maddie said that when they first started this practice, she was expecting it to be the extroverts and the popular kids and this and that, and she said, but it was the quiet people that were talking about God. It was people like me, and I thought, well, if they can do it, then I can do that too, and then she added, so I'm going to be actually sharing my story in February. And that was a few months away. And I said, Maddie, that's great. What are you going to be talking about? And I love her response. She said, I don't know, but I've got my eyes open to see where God is going to show up. And so I think in places where we are practicing testimony or even just giving space for testimony, we can help our teenagers with that mindset that, that God is active and present. So often when I'm talking to churches and they're wanting to bring up some type of, of testimony practice, They'll say that they practice testimony after camps or after missions trips, that that's when they hear from from their teenagers. And I love that. I don't want to change that at all. And yet I'm afraid if those are the only times that we are giving people a chance to testify, we are implicitly telling them that God only shows up at camp or God only shows up on missions trips. Whereas if we're expecting God to show up on a Wednesday in February, you've got a different way of going through life and seeing your faith.
0: Yeah. So um, you teach on a college campus, so you're with young adults all the time. How do you see them either embracing or struggling um, to articulate their faith? Mm, Good question.
1: I should say I've been using the word testimony a lot. I don't use that word a lot with them. I will often just say, share your story or this or that. What I've seen is a lot of people have simply never been asked to tell their story, or, or they think they know the, the answers that they're supposed to give. So I teach a class on evangelism and discipleship, and on the first night, I have people write down their understanding of the gospel. And they write it out, and then I have them cross off anything that a sixth grader would not understand. So they kind of laugh, and they cross out some words. And then I say, now, cross out anything that sounds boring. And then they kind of look at me like, well, well what's, what's left then? And the, the, the whole point of that then, we, we send people loose to try to, to try to find a way to articulate their faith, to speak of the gospel in a way that sings, for lack of a better term. Something that is actually good news and life-bringing because a lot of the students that I get, they know the Sunday School answers and what they're supposed to say, but, but that's, not, that's not the life-giving part of, of, of who they are.
0: So, what's your, so you've talked about story, and you've talked about testimony, and you've talked about good news. Um, do you have a working definition of the word testimony? Sure. I, I think simply put, a story you tell where God is one of the characters. All right. So to put you on the spot, Oh boy. Um, could you share part of your story with us?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's different ways of going about that. I can, I can tell you some of the, the big meta-narrative stories of this has been going on for this part or, or something, something smaller that's been more recent. Uh, let's go small. Okay, let's go small.
0: If we're talking about Wednesdays on a Febu- in a February. Okay, okay. Well, th-
1: this will be Wednesdays on, a, what month is it? April. April. Yeah, Wednesdays on an April. Okay. So my, my nine-year-old son is prone to ear infections, and, and they get they get really bad, and doctors have a hard time knowing knowing how to help him. And I was tucking him in recently and was just kind of rubbing his back, and he said, Mom, do you think that, it, I said, I, I know that God has compassion on me when he sees I have an earache, but do you think that God could actually feel just how much it hurts and have even more compassion on me. And it was one of those, okay, I'm going to try not to cry here while I'm talking with my nine-year-old, but, uh, and boy, it, it sounds so stilted to say, and then we talked about the incarnation of God, but, but it was this very natural conversation about God seeing us and God being present um, in those times when, when, we, when we feel like we're at our worst, so that that would be a place where I'd seen where I've seen God more recently, and, and and you'll notice that's not a happy story necessarily. I think sometimes people have in mind that a testimony, a story about God, is going to be something happy, clappy. But I'm I'm always amazed by how when people are asked to share stories like this, they they tend to go towards um, places of pain where where the Holy Spirit ministered them uh, ministered to them in ways that perhaps they have a difficult time articulating, but they want to try nonetheless because. Because
0: then they're known, and often it's where we've experienced God most right, right, closely, yeah, great. What would you hope would be an uh an outcome of an increased practice of testimony? That's a stilted way of asking that question, but uh, if we were to become more comfortable uh telling the ways that our story and the sure. way we see God in our stories mm-hmm. um, what kind of hope do you see for the church and for young people?
1: Well, I think we would have. More grateful communities, uh, to speak pretty broadly there. If you have a church or a youth group that is regularly testifying or sharing stories about God, you will have a community that is regularly engaging in, in gratitude. Uh, it, it's amazing to me how testimony and thanksgiving just tend to go together. Uh, so oftentimes in our churches, we leave space for prayer requests, but we don't always think to follow up with them when our prayer has been answered. But over and over again, when I go into churches who are regularly engaged in this practice, they're more grateful churches. And I think it's just because they're more aware of the presence of God and those things that they might have at one point been quick to write off as coincidence or luck or perhaps not even notice at all. They're uh, Instead, they've got that question in the back of their mind, boy, maybe, maybe God is somehow behind this. Maybe this is actually the Holy Spirit at work. And just that mindset and the gratitude that it brings up, that's... That's what I love to see and, and would be my hope for, well, at least for my
0: children. Yeah. So are you going to continue working and writing in this, or are you on to the next project?
1: Well, in some ways, I, I don't think I can ever close the book on testimony. There's something about narrative formation and and, and growth there. I'm working on trauma right now. And uh, a connection there, theology and trauma, a connection there would be, I so in the past, I've met with college college women who have been sexually abused. And so often when these women are telling their stories, they are there. It's just full of shame and self-condemnation. So, uh, he did this and I didn't even say, you know, this or that and all the, the negative, the negative talk there. But when they hear each other tell their stories, it's much easier to exonerate someone else or to offer grace to someone else. And so, uh, And so when a young woman is talking about how, uh, boy, after after I was raped, I then went around and slept with five other guys, and sometimes I feel worse about that than I do about even the event, someone else sitting right next to her can say, well, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you were trying to take back control of your body, this and that. And as they are offering grace to one another, I think it's become easier for them to accept grace themselves. So oftentimes, at least for these women, I don't know that they can really see the grace that's coming their way until they see it being offered to another story with another person behind it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm working on trauma and theology right now, but but I'm—and uh, maybe it's just because I'm looking for it at this point, but I, but I do see a lot of overlap with, with testimony and spiritual narratives. Well, it
0: feels like um, with the work you're doing in trauma, if I, I'm to speculate, it's with people who aren't yet able to name where God is in that, but the community is— yeah. Or at least it, there yeah. are similarities in terms of story sharing. Sure, sure. Well, and but, and
1: that's yeah. that's always the trickiest place to go with trauma is is that where was God present? Because that right. that tends to be where we want to oh, go. Yeah. Uh, you know what me... people
0: will interject on your right, behalf.
1: Right now, now where do you think God was during that event? And and I think that's a great question to ask. But my goodness, the timing of that and who is asking that question is 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 pretty huge. So one of the things that we have that I've been working towards is is trying to create space for people to reside in the middle of their stories rather than pushing them towards the end. So uh, the, the, the story I shared last night, um, I I was in, in a rough time, this is a few years ago, and I uh, was really struggling and Kenda Dean actually called me up. She was aware of the circumstances and she asked, how are you doing? I said, not well. And she listened to me rant and rave and then made the comment, it sounds like God is asleep on your boat. And that was exactly what I needed because I was in the middle of my story. I could not figure out where God was. If anything, he was He was at fault in a lot of this. And she created almost a theological waiting room uh, where my story didn't have to be finished. I could even be angry at God because he's asleep with his head on a freaking pillow. And... Uh, And that moment there was so helpful for me, and especially as I look at trauma, to try to create space for people to be in the middle of their stories with the hope that an end is coming, but you might not be there yet. And so I think of that even in my my preaching, too, because when when I do preach narratives, obviously they tend to have better endings, hopeful endings, but to still create space and acknowledge, hey, some of you might not be here yet. This is the day you are hoping for, but you're not there yet. But this still belongs
0: to you. You've been listening to The Distillery. Interviews are conducted by me, Sherry Osting. I'm Garrett Mostowski, and I'm in charge of production. And I'm Christy Holly, and I'm the
1: creative designer.
0: Like what you're hearing? Let us know by rating us on iTunes. The Distillery podcast is part of The Thread, a production of Princeton Theological Seminary's Office of Continuing Education. You can find more episodes and other content at thethread.ptsm.edu. Thanks for listening.